Welcome to Help From Future Self. Howdy, Archons. Welcome to another episode of Help From Future Self. It's that conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends, hosted right here in Vancouver, British Columbia. My name is Scuzzy Gruen. I am also known as Alex in some circles, and I am joined by my good friend, a person who I cannot wait to see and play Keyforge again with soon, as soon as it's safe. It's the Wheeling Keyforger, Rick. Hey, what's up? And my coach, my compadre, it's Boulevard Paper Fight. What's the haps, Blake? Hey, man. How's it going? Good, good, good. I'm excited for us to talk about uh, the topic that we have this week, which is going to be upgrades. Mm -hmm. In the spirit of last week's episode, when we talked about artifacts, we thought that it'd be fun to get the crew together and talk a little hot upgrade action, which is weird because upgrades, like, they occupy a special place in Keyforge where they have their purpose, but they're kind of an, on an island unto themselves. They don't really fit with the rubric of like actions or artifacts or creatures. They're kind of their own little thing and they aren't really distributed evenly. So it, it's interesting to kind of examine them in that way. But I understand before we get into that, that Blake wants to bring back one of our classic segments. What you got for us, B? I got a would you rather. Oh, I cannot yeah. wait for this. And in the spirit of upgrades, I thought, heck, why don't we jump into that arena with a would you rather with upgrades? All right. So obviously we're going to go with the the house that reigns true when it comes to upgrades. And that is Star Alliance uh, is definitely the one house that has the most upgrades. And uh, I think they're really trying to make it seem like everyone wants to be part of that upgrade fun house. So my question for you is. Would you rather have the upgrade in your deck, Access Denied or Detention Coil? So, Access Denied reads, it gives you an Ember Pip, and it says, this creature cannot reap. Then, Detention Coil gives you an Ember Pip, and it reads, this creature cannot fight. So, gents, which one would you rather have? Rick, why don't you kick it off? I know how good reaping can be, because that's my preferred style. Um, so, and I, it happens a lot against me too. So I would have to go for the cannot reap. Okay. Alex, what about you? I'm, I'm a hundred percent team Rick on this one. Access denied. Look, detention coil is awesome in that, uh, I think especially in mass mutation, we're going to see a lot of big creatures that want to rock and roll. And that's actually going to be a lot of fun in this set. Like I think it's, there's going to be a lot of high value fights, that are going to happen in the set, which is a thing that I think Worlds Collide really started to amp up in Keyforge. Like, we, we remember back in the Coda days when you could sort of just, like, not fight at all and completely ignore fighting and still win a lot of the time. AOA kind of went a little bit too far in the opposite direction, making fights kind of necessary and constant. And there was this, this very, like, attrition-based play for a lot of games. Big boards, constantly having to take out these sort of high-value targets that were messing up your game plan. And I think Worlds Collide hit that happy medium. And what I'm seeing from Mass Mutation from examining the set is we're seeing that amped up a lot. So a lot of the things that were great in Worlds Collide, like fights for value, uh, that were still fun to play, are still here. So I, I definitely think there's going to be a huge value in Detention Coil. I wouldn't be upset to see it in my deck. But Access Denied is probably going to have more overall value for you. And I'll tell you why. I think that more often than not, your opponent will have a creature on the board where you can get some value of them not out of uh, 
denying them reaping than out of denying them from fighting. They may not be playing a fighting-based deck, or they might not have a lot of high-value fighting creatures, whereas almost every deck needs some kind of reaping to win. So I think Access Denied, just it's more universal. It's going to have more utility across more different kinds of opponents. So that's that's why I pick it. Very well said, and thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I honestly, I I would have been surprised if one of us had chosen uh, Detention Coil. I think that it's cool that there is something that has such a great. It's like a, the same card essentially, and that it's creating a cannot effect. So that's why I thought this would be a cool would you rather. But I I would have been shocked if we didn't all choose Access Denied, and that's where I land too. The cool thing I think will be is when you play the big brain play of having transporter platform, and you play it on your own creature just to return it, and then send it off the uh, to the other side of the board afterwards. I'm, I'm excited for that combination to occur. But um, one thing I do seeing, I do foresee happening, is that I think Detention Coil will have a place that in some matchups, it's going to be out of the two, it's going to be dependent in more cases where there's going to be situations where you're grateful that you have Detention Coil because of a creature you're facing down on the other side mm-hmm. of the board. Like if you get one of those giant you know two card creatures on the opposite side of the board being able to detention coil them before they can start wrecking your your battle line is going to be it's going to feel real good when you have that option Mm -hmm. and there's some great fight abilities that exist and you're just basically shutting those down at the same time so but may i say though i'm glad that there's only three of those big creatures because they're not good they've got some good play abilities but they're not great overall i don't think I think you're going to have decks that are going to be really able to take advantage of getting them out. And then others, they're going to feel like very much like dead cards. So I, I think there's going to be a very much a polarized opinion within these creatures. And some of them are going to be like what you get in terms of your own experience versus uh, when you just open these decks where it's almost impossible to pull it off and you're just basically holding cards or having cards in hand for no reason. So I think we'll find some interesting things. I I think I generally agree with Rick that I think overall they're probably not going to work in a lot of the decks that you open them up in. But I also agree with you, Blake, in that I think there will be decks in which they absolutely wreck shop. And so, you know, like every Keyforge card, it's always context, context, context. Agreed. They're going to be fun in in sealed, I think, when you just suddenly pull out this huge creature that they don't see coming because there's no way you know the pieces are there and you're obviously not going to play around it. So I think it's going to be pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Shield is going to be ex- extremely fun yeah. in this mm-hmm. set. All right. Um, well, I mean, we could speculate a little more, but why don't we dig into our topic for today? We each picked a couple upgrades. We're each going to talk about why we like them. Um, the t- uh, theme around it is just going to be mass mutation upgrades. So if they've appeared in a previous set but are appearing in mass mutation, those are on the table, which is good because a lot of mine have previously appeared, which is why I have such strong thoughts about them. But I think we're also going to be examining a lot of the new ones. But to start things off, Rick... We're not even going to be talking about an upgrade. Is From what I understand, we're going to be talking about a creature. Who you got for us to kick this off? Yeah, to start this off, I've got a creature from the Star Alliance, Z-Force Agent 14. And soon you'll see why I'm starting off with this. It's a five-power, zero-armor creature. Fight, gain one ember for each drop grade on Z-Force Agent 14. Absolutely sick. It's cool. I think... With the amount of upgrades in Star Alliance, this is going to be 
first city. I mean, when you pair that with transporter platform, that's going to get out of hand real fast. Like, you could potentially have, like, 10 Ember in one turn just from that. Oh, yeah, I think the, the, the interesting thing about the design for me is that Z-Force Agent 14 is a five-power creature, meaning that he's not going to get, like, ten fights, but like you said, Blake, that transporter platform is basically, like, it just regenerates Z-Force Agent 14 mm-hmm. automatically. So as long as there's one target for your opponent to fight into, or God forbid they have Elusive over on their side, it's it's going to wreck shop if you have the right layout of uh, upgrades. That's a really good pick. I'm glad you brought that guy up because uh, I was just thinking about him and my goodness. Blake, what's your first upgrade? My first upgrade is to uh, keep on track with this uh, great Z-Force agent. And that's one of his upgrades, which is called the Z-Particle Tracker. It is honestly really cool. And you get a Pippa Ember for playing it. And it says, this creature gains fight. Search your deck for an upgrade and put it into your hand. Shuffle your deck. That's pretty cool. It just plays off of the whole Z-Force agent. And it's, I mean, if you look at the card art on Z-Force agent, you can see that um, all of his upgrades, they actually have a, or all of his, his items he's holding, they have an upgrade for them in, in the deck or in a card form, which is really cool. That is a cool upgrade. I like it a lot. And as we understand well from a lot of Keyforge, any card that lets you tutor a little bit, go through your mm-hmm. deck and find a thing that you're looking for, even if it's limited to a creature or something else like that, has tremendous value. I agree. And especially yep. being that that is an upgrade that's in Star Alliance, then chances are you're probably going to have another good Star Alliance card that you might even be able to play that turn. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a golden oldie that's coming back here from Worlds Collide. This is one of my favorites, actually, from Worlds Collide for upgrades. Uh, Academy Training. It's a Logos upgrade. Um, if you control this creature, it belongs to House Logos instead of its original house. This creature gains Reap Draw card. So two quick things here. One, the obvious thing to do on this is if you have a protected creature or warded creature, an elusive creature that already has a good reap ability, throw academy training onto it, and then automatically you can use it on that turn plus draw a card, even if it gets taken out the next turn. Awesome. Like you're automatically getting a huge amount of value out of it just from being able to do that on a single turn. However, I also really dig it just for the idea of changing creatures into house logos. I find that premise just like a very strong and interesting one. Uh, Bringing cards across into other houses into thing we've seen a ton of. And Academy Training is one of the cases where you see it. It's like, yeah, by bringing them into logos, I'm getting immediate value out of them, which is, I think, you know, a huge value just beyond the reap draw card aspect of this. So Academy Training, kind of a twofold upgrade that I've always thought was neat. Yeah, I like it. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, Rick. Number two, what do you got for us upgrade styles? My first upgrade is Z-Wave Emitter. Oh. Pippa Bamber, at the start of your turn, ward this creature. That's awesome. I'm a big fan of uh, Saurians in Worlds Collide. I love wards, and this, this is gonna be great. It's also making this, this uh, Z-Agent kind of like a true Voltron. Like you're actually able to like get all his pieces together and then assemble him, which is is kind of a cool thing because we've we've talked about the Voltron thing being able to happen in uh, Worlds Collide especially, but this is really creating a, uh, a character that that makes you want to, to really embody that, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that one. The other thing I like about Z-Wave Emitter is that it's kind of like um, another iteration of Encounter Suit. 
Um, Encounter Suit was interesting because it could protect your creatures from actions as they were being played. But I kind of like the idea of Z-Wave Emitter creating the automatic ward so that you can automate, like it's good to throw onto a big fight creature or somebody else that you might want to use in a way that might like damage them in some capacity. Yeah. So lots of, lots of value to be created from just that turnover turn warding, I think. And it, you know, if you don't, then it's just going into your opponent's turn with a ward on it, which is always a pain for your opponent. Mm-hmm. What about you, B what's next for me? I'm doing a classic that's coming back and that is Armageddon cloak. Uh, you get a Pippa Ember for playing it. It's from Sanctum. And it says, this creature gains hazardous two and destroyed, fully heal this creature and destroy Armageddon Cloak instead. Now, we never had this card to exist during the Age of Dinosaurs. And I seeing you having a heavily exalted creature, this being a really great way of making it that much harder to take down and making that Ember less um, of a liability against you. I just see it being a really nice combination with the Saurian house or the mechanic exalting, however you want to look at it. Big agreement from me on that one. I always liked this one because it also creates, like it's that double value of giving a creature hazardous plus that special power, mm-hmm. um, which has so many, like it's a protective thing or it's a thing that allows you to do extra offense. So yeah. th- having that kind of flexibility in what it can do is always something that I'm looking for. Um, you might see a bit of a pattern developing in some of the cards that I've picked, because I'm going with Mantle of the Zealot for my next one, which is another one returning from way back in the day. It's an Okoda era upgrade, um, and it has something in common with my previous pick, in that, uh, like Academy Training, it allows you to house cheat. And so Mantle of the Zealot works like this. You put it on a creature and that creature gains. You may use this creature as if it belonged to the active house. I don't think I even need to really explain how great this is, but just a creature that you can use every single turn is a must-kill creature for your opponent because no matter what happens, you're going to get value out of that creature. Maybe you're going to fight with it every single turn. Maybe you're going to reap with it every single turn. Maybe it's got a reap power you're going to be able to activate every single turn. I love it to death just because it creates that value and it creates, you know, that ability to get so much more value out of an individual creature on your deck. So I'm very happy to see this one coming back too. And I'm very curious to see how it interacts with all of these awesome play or fight and reap powers that we see in the current meta. Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. Now that I've been playing some older decks, I'm learning those things more. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it's coming back as well. All right, what do you got going on next, Rick? I got, in keeping going with this theme, I got the Z-Ray Blaster. Got a Pip of Amber. This creature gains three power and gains, before fight, deal three damage to each neighbor of the creature this creature fights. I dig it. Yeah, this, this. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like now really wanting to get a transporter platform uh, Z-Agent 13 deck now like the more the more i'm hearing about this and seeing these come together I'm, i kind of really want to get one of those decks now i also like that it's kind of a, a throwback to my beloved fire breath like the uh the brobnar upgrade that was in worlds collide that's like one of the better cards somehow in all of brobnar and worlds collide yeah. like it had a very similar do damage to either side pump up the creature but i mean in a house where you would actually want to play that which is a big change yeah, that is it is really cool. I mean, like I said before, Z Force Agent 14, uh, give me all the decks. I'm I'm probably gonna set up a DOK 
uh, thing for that. So if, if, if anyone opens some, some crazy Z-Force uh, decks, please hit me up, direct message me, let me know. I'm, I'm in the market for them. Yeah, I think I'm going to look for a bunch too. We're just going to change your handle to Boulevard Z-Force. Yep. There we go. What's your next one, Blake? So to close things out for me, I'm going with the Lone Saurian upgrade in this in this set. No more Imperial Scutum, guys. And this lone one is called Siren Horn. You get a Pippa Ember for playing it, which is pretty much par for the course with upgrades. And it says, this creature gains before fight, move one Ember from this creature to the creature it fights. I think that's a really cool utility for an Exalt mechanics. And we've seen Exalts going to exist in Sanctum as well. And the fact that they're big dudes means you can exalt and then smash into something and get that get that ember right back. So I think that's kind of an interesting uh, proposition to have on the table. I dig it. I dig it a lot. Um, I also like the idea that it's it's going to create a value out of a fight that wasn't there before. But you also have to have like probably put in a little bit of time setting up that creature that you're going to be fighting with mm-hmm. to have a little bit of amber on it. So that's cool, I think. And I think multiples of these are going to be really neat as well. If like you can get two Ember at a time going over, have them on two creatures, swing one with a looser, put it on, and then the next one, you know, takes it out. I think there's some some interesting uh, interesting interactions when this card comes in multiples, and it's uncommon, so it's possible. Moving on over to House Dis for my final pick. Let's talk a little bit about Pain Mail. Painmail is a brand new upgrade for Mass Mutation, and basically its power is this. You get a Pip of Amber for playing it, and this creature gains after any player chooses Dis as their active house, put Painmail into its owner's archives, and destroy the creature. So, you're not going to get value out of it uh, immediately on the turn that you play it, aside from the Pip of Amber, which is nothing to scoff at. But basically, you can put this on an opponent creature, and if you absolutely have to take it on the board, you just call Dis the very next turn. And not only do you destroy that creature, Pain Mail goes into your archives for you to be able to use it the next time you call Dis. If you get this early on within the game, you're going to get a huge, tremendous amount of value out of it, I think. Like, being able to throw this on a creature very early on, even if you don't plan to call Dis for very long, eventually you're going to get that value out of it turn over turn over turn. So, yeah, big big fan of Pain Mail here. I like anything that has that sort of, like, little... I don't want to call it fiddly because that has a negative connotation, but I like anything that has that kind of big brain play potential where you can sort of plot out your moves a couple turns in advance or you can just get massive utility out of a card. Big deal for me. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I like that one. I think I think there's going to be some interesting plays for sure to be had from that. And the more experience you have with it, it's we're going to start seeing some things getting unlocked. Absolutely. Going to be a bit of a shorter episode this week just because there isn't as many upgrades within the set and not as many new ones that we can discuss in the greater context. But you know we're going to be talking more about mass mutation as we draw closer a mere, what, three weeks at this point, gentlemen? Mm -hmm. Something like that? Something like that, yeah. And then there's going to be a lot of mass mutation talk right here on this podcast. But of course, we can't end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one's called... Help from Future Self. self. Blake, I understand you have one for us this week. Hit us. I do, yeah. So some of you may have noticed that we've been seeing a lot of updates to the SAS scores lately, and it's been jumping Mm -hmm. up and down all over the place. I've seen some decks that I thought were great 
and I still do, but their rating has has plummeted, and I've had others that have jumped up, and uh, some that have not changed one bit. And so I just want everyone to keep in mind that SaaS is a tool to use to help you evaluate your own decks. It is not the end-all be-all of the success or greatness of a deck or how terrible a deck is. So please keep that in mind with all these changes because they're only going to continue as a new set is brought into the fold. They have a council that actually discusses card ratings and all these factors that go into it. So it's not just one person. It is a collective that a lot of people hold in esteem within the game. But just remember that not everyone is perfect and not every deck's composition is going to truly tell the tale of what the deck can do. So no matter what happens within the score of your decks and the SAS number that goes up or down, just remember that if you've been playing a deck and you're having success with it and its score just dropped, that doesn't mean the deck suddenly became worse. Just keep that in mind. It is a tool that you use to help you evaluate. It is not the actual means of whether your deck is good or not. So just keep that in mind because um, everyone loves SAS and what it does to help you, but don't let it rule your decisions on whether you should be using a deck or not. Great advice and stuff that I have to keep in mind for myself. Um, I think that the guys who do uh, uh, decks of Keyforge have kind of a thankless job in that everybody wants there to be a rating system, but everybody has problems with the rating system that exists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've seen them come and go. Um, there's all kinds of different systems for rating decks. Like Ranky was a thing for a little while. And SAS is the one that stood the test of time. And ultimately, like, SAS is pretty good at telling you what your best decks are. If I look at what I think my best decks are, they might not be the highest SAS rated ones, but they're amongst the highest SAS rated ones. I so, agree. you know, I think it's generally a pretty good system. We acknowledge the fact that it doesn't automatically have like you know all the answers for everything but oftentimes it's a good guideline and i think that's important for people to keep in mind just because a deck has a bad rating on sas doesn't mean it's a bad deck just because the deck has a good rating and i had this experience you guys remember when i had that that extremely highly rated deck that just wasn't that fun to play and didn't win very much sometimes that's going to happen it's just the nature of rating systems Some, some things will be underrated some things will be overrated i got one of those uh an important lesson for us to keep in mind. All right, we should get on out of here. You can find Help From Future Self on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. You can find me at Scuzzy Gruen on the uh, Crucible and on Twitter and on Instagram. I haven't been super active on social media lately because there's so much else going on, but I think once Mass Mutation gets rolling, I'll probably be throwing down quite a lot there. Where can they find you, Rick? On Twitter at the Wheeling Key Forger and on the Crucible at Rickster78. All right. And what about yourself, Blake? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's BLVD Paper Fight. And you can uh, also check out my YouTube. I'm embarking on a quest with a deck that I have. It's a Proclamation 346E deck, the only one I own. And I decided to kind of document my games with it and talk about what I'm learning from the deck because I've only ever played it twice. And it's time to put in some work on this deck and see what treasures it holds. Love it, and I can't wait to watch it. We're going to be back at you next week. Maybe we'll talk to you a little bit about something, Mass Mutation. Maybe we'll talk about something else. You'll never know until you tune in. And until then, stay fortunate.